Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to another exciting YBT podcast. Today, uh, the release day of this is the first of the new year, so welcome to 2018. If you're listening to this on the day that it's released, kudos to you because you probably went to bed early and completely skipped all the New Year's uh, celebrations. So uh, I, uh, I'm planning on, on, on having quite the, the celebration. We're recording this a little bit ahead of time. So this is my future self saying welcome to 2018. I'm assuming that everything went off without a hitch. But uh, man, we've had a great 2017 in terms of content, in terms of past guests. Uh, if you listen to last week's podcast, it's it's a review of uh, some of my favorite podcasts that we've had or some of the, the podcasts that have really impacted future podcasts in terms of topics and, and those kinds of things. We want to carry that momentum into, into 2018. Uh, so today we have a, a guest with us, which is actually a referral from John Talheimer. And if you remember his podcast, we were talking about emotional intelligence. And that was a really fun podcast because it really ties into a lot of the topics that we've talked about in the past. Now, uh, John reached out to us after kind of hearing our audience and having the chance to speak to him. Uh, I always ask our past guests if there's somebody that you think would be relevant uh, to the audience and to some of the topics that we have. And he introduced me to Nicholas Durr. Uh, Nicholas was born and raised in Los Angeles, uh, a graduate of, of Santa Clara University in the Silicon Valley uh, in 2014 with a degree in finance. Nicholas has professional experience within the four big accounting firms, investment banking, portfolio management, and startup industries. In the last three years, Nicholas has had eight jobs, and the last one before he started his company only lasted three and a half days. If you haven't figured this out yet, Nicholas is a millennial, so he's he's a, a part of our target audience, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But he's the founder and CEO of Oxfords and Brogues, a holistic financial coaching business out to empower millennials around their money. Nicholas, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you coming in today. Oh, I missed one thing here on your, your bio. A fun fact about Nicholas, he has presented a TED Talk on med meditation and neuroscience, has worked with actress and business owner Jessica Alba. That's, that is a fun fact. So Nicholas, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience, fill in some of the blanks on, on the bio. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about this Jessica Alba thing. That's news to me right now. Thanks Evan for having me. Hey listeners, I appreciate you being here on the, on the, uh, on this podcast. Like uh, Evan was saying, you know, it's the new year and um, it, uh, it, it tells me who you are being, you know, being willing to listen and, um, you know, be hungry for knowledge and personal development and growth. And um, I'm excited to be here. When we were talking in the pre-show and, and and me getting to know you a little bit, one of the things that kind of jumped off the page to me a little bit was that meditation TED talk that you did and, and the neuroscience 
part of it as well. So if you guys aren't familiar with neuroscience and, and meditation, uh, Nick, tell everybody a little bit about neuroscience, kind of give them the gist of that TED talk, because I think that's going to lead into some of the things that we talk about today. Yeah, definitely. So um, the way I think about it is the meditation is the practice behind mindfulness and being present. Um, and neuroscience is the science behind it, kind of how our neurons work, how the brain is structured. And um, combining the two of them together really allows for um, not just a greater understanding of who we are as human beings, how we operate, how our minds work. Um, but coupled with meditation, it really allows us to implement and um, really take the practicality aspect of it. Because, you know, if you if you look in my brain, like, or if I look in yours, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, but knowing exactly what the outcomes are makes makes a huge difference and kind of, you know, at least for me, I like to know how things work. Um, and so if someone told me to just sit down, close my eyes and breathe for 20 minutes, I'd be like, what is that supposed to do for me? Yeah. Um, but if you told me the science behind it, kind of what's going on, at least from a higher, um, uh, higher level standpoint, then at least I can kind of my brain, which is ironic, my brain can kind of rationalize what's going on. Yeah, it's funny that you have to justify to your brain what's happening inside of your brain. It feels like an <laughs> infinite loop of uh, mindfulness and thought and analysis, and it, it kind of takes you in and out of reality a little bit. I love how you kind of brought up, brought up the great. whole, you know, sit there, clear your mind and breathe. I think that's what a lot of people's uh, interpretation of meditation may be. But mm -hmm. as I've kind of grown in my leadership roles and as I've uh, worked with mentors and, and other people, I hear the topic of meditation coming up a lot. So I, I'd like to kind of transition a little bit into what got you into meditation, but also why do you believe that a lot of successful people or a lot of leaders turn to meditation, not necessarily the ohms and, and uh, you know breathing techniques, but talk about the reflection side of it, talk about the introspective side of it as well. So uh, a couple questions there. I'll, I'll start with <clears throat> how I got into meditation. Uh, I went to Santa Clara University um, up in the Silicon Valley, and um, it's a Jesuit institution. And so one of the requirements for me to graduate was I needed to take um, at least three uh, uh, distinct religion courses. And um, I had the opportunity during my junior year of college to study abroad in Shanghai. And I was able, able to fulfill on <clears throat> one of my religion courses um, with a course in Shanghai called uh, Buddhism and meditation, and um, I was go I was going in there thinking I was going to you know get enlightened by reading books about the Buddha and stuff like that. But really, all we ended up doing was watching documentaries, sitting on the ground, drinking tea, and then practicing meditation. I don't remember the exact moment, but I remember thinking that this is something that is going to change my life because uh, I was always the type of person who was Type A, extremely ambitious, on to the next thing. Uh, when I was 80% complete with something, I was already looking ahead to, you know, the three other things that I was going to do next. And the ability for me to just stop and be present and look around and really notice what it is that I was doing in that moment um, really allowed for, for pause and reflection. And so I remember talking to my professor. She was a, a Tibetan monk. And I asked her how I can, you know, deepen my practice, learn more. And I, she recommended me to go to a, uh, a Tibetan province in Sichuan. During a week, I um, flew to Sichuan, which was a three hour flight. And then I took a bus up the mountains for 12 hours across windy roads. And at that point, the bus couldn't go any higher. So we had to take a, a taxi or like a, you know, a personal car another three hours. And we went to this, um, the largest Tibetan Buddhist Institute in the world is called uh, Larangar. And um, 
there were 10,000 Tibetan Buddhist monks, you know, didn't speak English, didn't speak Chinese. Uh, they speak, you know, their own language. And so <laughs> I was there literally, you know, bowing and being with them as a form of communication. Uh -huh. And I really got in that moment that like communication transcends words. And so there was something out to, you know, there was something for me to get. So uh, there, you know, I, I meditated from four in the morning till 6 p.m. at night every day. And uh, the longest time I sat down was uh, nine hours, wow. was like a 20 minute break for, for lunch. Long story short, when I came back from China, I wanted to know more about how it really, really worked. So I, I took a, um, a course at Stanford University through their uh, medical school. I learned more about the, the science behind it. And so that's how I ended up giving the TED talk. I combined my practice and got the science and technical side of that uh, and wanted to just share it with the world. So to answer your question, the reason why I think um, a lot of leaders, CEOs, you know, people who are out to develop themselves um, turn to meditation is because it really allows people, and I'll speak for myself, it really allowed me to, um, to be with myself. Right, I can get so busy and caught up in what I'm doing, I forget to actually bring intention and presence and awareness to what it is that I'm doing. <clears throat> and so, you know, if you had told me, Evan, that uh, meditation was sitting down, closing your eyes, and you know, doing chanting mantras, that I would have believed you. And um, I discovered that that definitely is one part of it. It's a it's a very common practice. Um, but what I've discovered is that I can meditate, um, you know, in any any capacity and in, in doing any action. Um, it doesn't have to look a certain way, which gave me a lot of freedom to say, oh, okay, how am I going to practice meditation? For some time, I did coffee meditation. I'd go to a new coffee shop every day, really, you know, enjoy the latte art, like get present as a, as a you know, take sips of the coffee um, and just be present. Um, and that's the really the main um, commitment behind meditation. And I think why leaders turn to it and why I turn to it is because when it times to, when it comes time to making choices and decisions and actually looking at where it is that I want to go next, um, my preference would be to come from a space of clarity, from a space of nothingness, um, versus having a lot of the you know internal chatter of where I think I should go and where my parents think I should go and what my girlfriend thinks and um, you know all of that noise. Wow! So I was not expecting you to tell me that you literally did the journey to the Buddhist monks on top of the mountain kind of story. <laughs> Cause that's, that's the one thing you think you're like, I, I need to go meditate. I need to go find myself. And then and you take this long journey and you climb to the top of a mountain. And then there's this guy that's just been sitting up there for who knows how long. And, and you, and you find <laughs> the answer there and you did that. And that's, I, I think that's awesome. Um, I it, and the funny thing to me is, that, that that journey was a part of your journey, but at the same point, you can do a lot of the similar things sitting down and drinking coffee in a coffee shop. Uh, I'm not going to equate those things to the exact same thing, but kind of the, the, the gist of what I think you're saying is, is being present in yourself and almost resetting your priorities or, or what's important. I think if I were to try to meditate for nine hours or just completely unplug for nine hours. Like just do nothing, just be in a room, not have all the distractions there and just contemplate and just think about all of the different things that I have going on. I think what would happen is, is I would 
start to relook at everything. Some of the things that I thought were a big deal would probably go away. And it mm-hmm. would it would take some of the stress out of my day. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that leaders run into is there's so much stress and there's so much uh, requirement to constantly be on the go that I think you forget what's important. And I think that based on what you're telling me and, and, and if I'm reading between the lines a little bit, that taking that moment to yourself to kind of withdraw and recharge uh, resets you on your path to figuring out what's important and what you really should be doing as opposed to what you feel like you should be doing. Yeah, definitely. And well, it's really funny. When you said the word withdraw, I had an image come up to my mind. And um, and I'm curious for you, Evan, when you said the word withdraw, like when we withdraw as a human being, or when you withdraw, where are you envisioning you go? Seclusion. I, I feel like whenever you are talking about withdrawing, I actually literally had that image of myself and then like a camera zooming away from myself. It's like, I'm, I'm completely separating myself mm. from the world uh, in the, in the world that we live in. That's, that's no phone. That's no internet. That's no social media. That's no computer. That's in some cases, like I'm not even music, like just completely pulling back. And I think part of that comes from, I, I feel like there's a larger percentage of people that are admitting that they're introverts. Now I heard the statistics is like 55% <laughs> of people are actually some form of introvert. And so my, my, my first reaction to that was, well, as a salesperson, if I know that one out of two people wants to talk to me, but physically can't, it's my job to go engage those people. So that's, that's how I originally interpreted that. But on the other side of that, that's, that's 50% or 55% of people that have to find some way to recharge their batteries. And, and, and the way that they do that is to pull back from society, to withdraw, uh, to whether it's for them, it's reading a book or it's just being in seclusion or not having conversation with somebody like for my wife, it's really foreign to her for somebody to just not need to talk to somebody. Like she's very social (laughs) in the sense that she, she just wants to always have those conversations. And so if there was somebody that just was like, you know what, I'm just going to stay home and do nothing. That would be something that she just would have a a while. It would take a while for her to comprehend, but that's just that introverted person recharging their batteries. She's more of a social person. So she wants to be around people. So maybe, uh, a retrospective uh, meditation thing would be more difficult for her because she much rather have a conversation with a person than have a conversation with herself. So that's what I think of when I think of withdrawal. I don't, my interpretation may be different than yours. Yeah. And no, I think that's the beauty of it though. I'm really like, um, you know, when I hear the word withdraw, what you're saying is totally valid and it's going to resonate with, you know, the people that it resonates with. Um, and for me, <clears throat> And by the way, there's no right answer. I don't have the right answer. It's really funny, actually. When I got back from you know Sichuan back to Shanghai, I was talking to a friend, and um, I remember having this really distinct experience. Like I was observing myself going through life, if that makes sense. I had like I had been able to successfully distinguish my thoughts from who I really am. You know, if I think I'm hungry versus I am hungry. Like I'm have I'm hungry versus I'm having an experience of hunger right now. Mm-hmm. And I was able to distinguish the two. And I remember being, <laughs> this is just kind of how the mind works. It plays on you. But I remember coming back and you know there were a bunch of cars in, in Shanghai honking. And I was just like, there's nothing wrong here. And I remember before, like when I was on my way to Sichuan, I was like, oh, these cars are so annoying. 
like everybody honks in China. Nobody honks in the, like in even in LA, which is where I live. Like cars don't honk as much as they do in Shanghai. <laughs> but I remember thinking like, wow, this is not enough. It doesn't bother me anymore. There's nothing wrong. And I remember talking to a friend, and um, they were like, so are you enlightened now? <laughs> and um, I was like, I think I am. But the common misconception, at least for me, was that like enlightenment is his destination. Like you hear about, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what it is, so don't quote me on this, but like, you know, the four noble truths and the eightfold path. And I remember thinking, oh, the eightfold path, like if I do these eight things and then I'll reach enlightenment. But then what I really got in that moment was it's pretty righteous of me to think that I reached enlightenment. And what I've discovered is that it really is a, um, it's an ongoing phenomenon, you know, and you can be enlightened now and now and now, and the moment you think you're actually enlightened is the moment you're actually like not enlightened, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so for me, it's really been a journey into the discovery. Um, so <clears throat> going back to the whole withdrawing, when I, when I picture withdrawing, I picture myself withdrawing into myself. And actually, you know, if we look at the word withdraw, it could be look like, you know, I don't know the actual definition, but it could be like take away from, right? Or with, you know, with like remove yourself. And when I hear, when I hear myself saying withdraw, I hear myself getting more connected to who I really am. Like it's an opportunity to withdraw from all the noise and get connected to who I am. So that way, when I step outside or when I get on the phone, <clears throat> like who I am and who, like who, the, who people are talking to is me, not my thoughts and emotions about whatever it is that I was thinking about. It's funny that you bring up enlightenment in terms of like a, not a destination, but a journey. And, and the parallels between that and success, I think are very similar that it's something that you're constantly pursuing. Yeah. And I, I think it, the way that our minds are, um, I don't know that anyone can ever like truly reach a final destination of something. It's like, if you, if you accomplish all your goals, you lose purpose. And I think that the purpose is, is constantly striving for those goals. And that's why you, and a this is just what's popping into my head, but that's why you see people that reach the pinnacle of success in terms of money, fame, uh, wealth, whatever it may be. And they're so unhappy. And it's because mm -hmm. uh, they have gotten to this certain point to, they thought that that was the destination. And what they realized was that it was empty. I think it was Jim Carrey, or at least I hear the Jim Carrey quote. I, I wish that everybody could make millions of dollars and be successful and realize that it's not the answer. And I think that that's yeah. how success is. But I think enlightenment would be the same way. It's something that you always have to do to be mindful. You have to be intentional. We talk a lot about that here in the podcast, being intentional with being more aware just as you are with success. I mean, we live in a, a society, in a world that there's so many people with so many viewpoints and so many opinions and everything else that you need to be open to the fact that you might be wrong about some stuff. Uh, and you would hope that other people would be open to the idea that you might be right about some stuff, but it's a constantly evolving dialogue. I've heard uh, in conversation that who do we think we are to think that we have everything figured out when it comes to politics, when it comes to success, when it comes to religion, whatever else. There's so many different things where people are so absolute with things. And if you look back even just 10, 20 years, you know, America as a country is only 200 years old for us to say it is definitively the best in history. It may be up to this point, but I think it can always get better. I think it can always be, um, yeah. it, it can always be grown. So I really enjoyed that, that kind of 
parallel between those two things. But I want to talk about uh, something that you you were talking about being connected to who you are. So in the the podcast, one of the goals of of this is to kind of reach that next generation who's trying to figure out their purpose. They're trying to figure out who they are, what brings them life, what what they were created for, what they believe they were created for, uh, aligning their strengths and their personality types and all these different things to hopefully find um, significance in their world. And so you're talking about meditation in terms of plugging into your actual self and that self-reflection to, I believe, in some capacity, dial into your purpose. So can you talk about the relation of of, of that self-reflection uh, and dialing into purpose? Is there a correlation there? Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's such a great question. There's so many different ways I can I can take this. Um, for me, I so I in the past three years, um, it's been a journey and a discovery to really find out what am I committed to, what am I passionate about, uh, what lights me up, and um, you know, at times it could seem like me not being in the quote unquote right job uh, was taking me further from my purpose, but. As, as I look back, I think <clears throat> Steve Jobs is the one who said, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. And that's a quote that really resonates with me, especially when I'm in times of confusion or I'm not as settled as I'd like to be. I just trust the process and know that I'm always fulfilling on what I'm committed to. Um, and in my case, that's you know transforming the planet, transforming millennials in the way they relate to their money. And um, the way that I discovered that, you know, I can go through my kind of job history here. Um, and if I do that, you'll see that um, every job that I've had has gotten me closer to me starting my own business and what I'm doing now, right? Working at a portfolio management firm, working at you know a big four accounting firm, uh, working at an investment bank in Palo Alto, like all of these things aren't what I'm doing now, but they led me to where, but they led me to where I am now. Um, and so to like to really put it on the court, just so you know, the listeners can an example, like meditation and self-awareness is important. It, it's an access to fulfillment and finding your purpose because it just gets rid of all the noise. Um, you know, it was a big deal for me to um, leave my portfolio management job in San Francisco to move back to LA um, because I was earning six figure income. Uh-huh. I was working 70, 80 hours a week. Um, and I remember having a conversation with my dad. He was like, you better not quit. <laughs> I was like, you better not. And I was like, I was like, dad, I'm so unhappy. I'm just, I'm behind a computer all day and I'm not dealing with people. And, um, it, for me, it took something to really like have a conversation with my parents and let them know, like, look, this, this really isn't what I want. Um, and it took a lot of me reflecting, like I, I played out the worst case scenarios, you know, in, at that particular firm where I wanted, I wouldn't be able to get to where I wanted to be staying at that firm. You know, I wanted to work with people and I wouldn't have had that opportunity and it wouldn't have been for a much longer time. And so it was clear to me that um, it's not where I needed to be, but it wasn't until I actually took the time, stopped, you know, did some thinking around what my life really is for. And, um, you know, one of the things that I do with my, with my clients and I always ask myself this, is like, what's really important about money to you? And for me, what was important about money was, uh, you know, money, you know, uh, provides choices. Okay, well, what's important about choices to you? Well, if you have choices, you have freedom. Okay, well, if you have freedom, 
what's important about freedom to you? Well, if I have freedom, then I can do whatever I want. If you can do whatever you want, what does that mean? Well, that means I'm going to be happy. And if you're happy, what does that mean? Well, I'm fulfilled. Well, what's important about being fulfilled to you? For me, um, when I'm fulfilled, it's making a difference with other people, particularly in the realm of money. And so it was that thought process which, which led me to creating Oxfords and Brogues. And now that's what I do you know, day in, day out. I get to have conversations with people and allow them to get present to why money is important to them. Or I get, you know, I have clients get present to why money is important to them as an access to fulfilling on a career that they're inspired by. And so um, I want to make sure my communication is landing with you, Evan. Does that make sense? Are you oh, no, it absolutely it does. And, and it, it's, it's actually making my point. So I teed that up for you okay. and you knocked Perfect. it out of the park because I think what I'm trying to communicate with this is not necessarily the mystical side of meditation, but the importance of that self-reflection, asking yourself those questions and just getting yourself to a point where you realize you need to know you, you need to know what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. If you're, if I, if I were to rewind what you just said and read between the lines of all the different things that you said, you asked yourself questions or you knew the answer to the questions which determined your next step. So for example, you were unhappy. Why were you unhappy? Well, you were unhappy because you weren't able to work with people. You weren't doing the things that brought you life. And so I want to kind of tune in on this, on, on some of those things because if I'm, if I'm targeting the thought process of the audience, which is essentially myself 10 years ago, I didn't ask myself those questions. The questions that I, I, I didn't ask myself any questions. I just said, that sounds cool. Or, Hey, look at what Nicholas is doing. That sounds awesome. I want to do that. And I was always pursuing what somebody else had thought about and never pursued what I had thought about. Now, in retrospect, I was very fortunate that my career path actually progressed into my strengths. And that was because I was surrounded by mentors and leaders that saw things inside of me that, uh, that put me into roles that would allow me to be more happy with um, my career and the things that that brought me life that I felt like were my purpose to the extent of I took a personality test, I took a Berkman and uh, it gave me suggestions based on my answers of what kind of career and everything else that would be a good fit for me in terms of my strength finders and whatever else. And what I'm doing today hits on all of those. And it wasn't because I didn't have to go through the the six, seven jobs that you're talking about. I ended up just naturally gravitating to those things through the career that 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 I had found. But I think it's important for the listeners to hear that if you have a plethora of experience of multiple different things, that that is not necessarily to look back at as something to be ashamed of or embarrassed about. It's something to look back at. These are the things, like you said, that have pointed me and helped me refine the direction of where I needed to go. And, and I, I think it's actually a really cool thing that you saw the correlation between all the different indecisiveness that you had in, in trying to figure out what you wanted to the extent of you took it to the next level and started asking yourself those questions way before I asked myself those questions. And I think now just talking to you and hearing about how passionate you are about what you do, I feel like you're, you're starting to dial yourself into your purpose. You're dialing yourself into the things that bring you life to the extent of, and I've said this multiple times, you don't really feel like you're working anymore. 
you feel like the the work that you do energizes you to want you to or to uh, make you want to do it more. And I think that you wouldn't say that the job that you're in makes you unhappy because you're able to do the things that do make you happy. And so I think it's really cliche for somebody to say, well, if you, fi- if you find what you're truly passionate about, you never worked a day in your life. And I know a lot of people that take issue with that, but I think those are a lot of people that haven't asked themselves the questions uh, yeah. and looked for the things that align with their what they were created to do or what their purpose may be. Because when they're able to do that, I think that is truly possible. Yeah, it's still work, but it's work that energizes you. And I think that's the, I think that's the part that people miss is, yeah, the, if, if I'm a carpenter, building a table it takes a lot of work and a lot of time. And it would be naive for me to say that I've never worked a day in my life when you see me go to the shop every single day and I'm cutting and I'm sanding and I'm, and I'm doing all these different things. That, that is work, but it doesn't feel like work to me because I enjoy every single moment of that. Mm. And I think that's some of the things that I, I think are missed in those conversations, which brings us back to the, the whole meditation thing. Talking about meditation, uh, my goal for this is to, to put the idea out there that it's asking yourself these questions and, and removing yourself from all the distractions forces you to think about what what is my purpose? What what what? Why am I doing these things that I hate? Why am I in this job that I don't like? Or, man, when I did this job, I really enjoyed it. I was driving yesterday, and thinking about the the podcast last week that I'm currently working on, which is a summary of I think it's about six or seven podcasts that I did uh, in 2017 that I really got a lot out of. And and I was thinking about how much work it is because not only do I have to listen to them all again, then I got to go find the clips and I got to edit it and then I got to talk about everything in between it. And I was adding up the time that it took to do that. And I was like, man, if I did every podcast like this, this would take forever. But I found myself in the car looking forward to working on it again. And I think that's where... Even, I'm not going to say that that's meditation, but that's just that reflection, uh, looking back at it. And it was, it was that confirmation to myself, hey, you know what? You're doing that because you love it. So to answer all of the different things that we were talking about, and I'm sorry, I went on a total rant there. Um, I think that that's right in line with what you're talking about and what we're talking about with meditation is that that self-reflection, that kind of recentering all your priorities is needed. And especially at the beginning of the year, as people are talking about resolutions and everything else, I don't know that it's a resolution thing because it, it, those are almost set up for failure. I think if anything, it should be more of a reflection, which we've talked about mm-hmm. in some previous podcasts. And then moving forward into the new year, that's when we should really look at the things that we enjoy doing. And, and it's kind of that uh, stop, start, continue mentality. What do I need to stop doing? What do I need to start doing? And what do I need to continue doing? And use that to make those adjustments because it's, it is a new year. It's a time to reset and, and reprioritize. And we always talk about it, but I would say that a lot of people don't necessarily take the action to, to move forward with it. Totally. Yeah. The, you know, <clears throat> I think the biggest thing, especially around new years, et cetera, the reason why people work with me or why I work with coaches um, personally, or even like a personal trainer is because there's that accountability, right? Like you and I know how to lose weight. You and I know how to, you know, we can Google stuff, right? We know how to make more money. We can Google that stuff. Um, but it's the actual implementation and accountability to those actions that make the difference. 
Um, and you said something that was super interesting. I think one of the questions that I always ask, and this is for you know everyone, no matter where it is that you are in your life, whether you know what you're doing or you don't know what you're doing, um, either is perfect. And it's you're at where you're at and it's it's perfect. There's nowhere else that you really need to be or where you should be, right? That's one of the biggest things around meditation that I got is that I felt like I should be somewhere when you know where I was was right here. Yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere else where I was. So the question that I always ask myself and the question that I challenge um, people to ask is like, what are you fulfilling on? Not just like, what are you, what do you want to accomplish? Like X goal, but what does that fulfill on? What are you fulfilling on with your life? And I think that question, you know, you can go down so many different rabbit holes and it's really fun. Like what I, if there was one thing that I could leave the listeners with is, um, you know, really discover for yourself what it is you're fulfilling on. Not like you need an answer, because I guarantee you that in 10 years from now, five years from now, my my answer is going to shift, right? If not a year from now, <laughs> it's yeah. always, I'm always fulfilling on something. The question is, what is it that I'm fulfilling on, right? And then I think at that point, life becomes really, really fun. Can you give me a, a specific example of something that you feel like you're fulfilling on that, that the audience can relate to? Yeah, totally. So what I'm fulfilling on is... Um, at this point in stage, so the, the game that I'm playing for the end of 2018, um, so full year of 2018, is to be generating six figures working 40 hours a month. And that's something I'm month. fulfilling on. 40 hours a month. Yeah. Now, what that fulfills on. So that's what that's what the goal would be. That would be like my quote-unquote New Year's resolution, right? Mm -hmm. Which is good. It's, it's awesome for people to have goals. I think it's important. I think it's necessary. And I think to take it a step further to you know implement that meditation or the – like even meditation, the word itself can be um, uh, not dangerous, but like not, it can be limiting, right? What I mean by meditation is like the opportunity for mindfulness. Yeah. Right. So uh, the, the the goal is, you know, six figures, um, 40 hours a month. And what that fulfills on is a life that I absolutely love where I get to spend time with my family, my, my girlfriend, and I get to go to coffee shops every day, spending time with the people that I love or that I get to fall in love with talking about money. That's the life that I'm fulfilling on Okay. for the end of 2018. Now, it might be different. You know, I'm going to get married, um, purchase a home, start a family, travel the world. And at that point, that's what I'm fulfilling on. So yeah, it does tie into goals and those kinds of things. And one of the things that you were talking about with meditation, um, it kind of sounded like meditation and focus are are joined together. Can you talk about that relationship? Hmm. Yeah, the first thing that comes up to mind is um, I remember Warren Buffett and Bill Gates were interviewed, and um, they were, I don't know where they are. You can't quote me on this, but they were asked to write one word <clears throat> that had them be successful or something like that. And um, they wrote it on a piece of paper and what they found was that they both wrote the same word. And what that word was, it was focus. And so meditation and focus, I'm looking for myself. Um, I don't wanna just give you like a blanket answer. I'm looking to see how it translates in my life. Um, meditation provides, <clears throat> at least for me, a clearing. And what I mean by a clearing is like a space and allows space and it allow, in that space, thoughts come up. And I can choose when I meditate and when I'm present and mindful to the different thoughts that I'm having to focus on one of those, right? For example, um, when I step on a, when I, when I get on a call, <clears throat> one of the things that I do is I really create for myself who the person I'm talking to is and 
who I am for them. For example, um, if you and I were talking together, Evan, like who you are for me is someone who really is hungry and um, committed to impacting your financial situation. And who I am for you is someone who um, can empower you to achieve that. I'm someone who wants what you want. Mm -hmm. And so when we get on the call, there's this intention and this focus around what this call is all about. Um, uh, two days ago, I, I was on a call with a with a, a prospective client. And what I said was, hey, listen, the one thing that I'm actually committed to on this call is to make a difference for you. Nothing else. I'm not trying to close you, sell you, anything like that. I'm out to listen for what's important to you and what you want. And I'm here to make a difference in that area. I had to get present before the call that that's what I was out to do. Because otherwise, left to my own devices, you know, my human beingness, uh, I'm out to have people like me. I want people to like me. I want to think what I'm saying is cool and I want them to choose me and I need to know all the answers and yada, yada, yada. Right. But when I can meditate and focus on what's really important, which is me making a difference for you, then I can be over there with you in a conversation and listen and um, see what's see what's missing and see what's needed and provide that. Yeah. I think that uh, when, like if, if I was your client, you said that to me, my first, my first thought would be, you can say it all you want, but you need to show me like, like how is, how's it going to look? So, so when you're talking about mentally preparing yourself before you go into that situation, I think that's where those, those thoughts and, and strategies come into play. It's like, I'm going to, and I love this quote, I'm going to be interested before I'm interesting. So I'm mm -hmm. going to ask follow-up questions. I'm going to listen to you. Uh, the focus is always going to point back to you and you, the customer. And so, I, I love that that's your your approach to it, and I, I think it's awesome that you actually are preparing yourself to do that because I would believe that at some point, you don't have to say that. At some point, just in their conversation with you, the stated goal is in your mind, but the customer is at some point going to say to you, man, I just I just feel like that your goal for me is for me to to benefit. And I think that's awesome. And I think that at, at some point that'll, that'll happen um, because you've decided in your pre-planning and, and in your business practice that that's what you want it to be, that that's, that's how you want the conversation to go. And that's what your focus needs to be. And, and, then, and then it just starts showing up and you start focusing and looking on ways to make that happen for that customer so that the evidence is overwhelming to them that they actually make the statement for you. But one, one of the reasons I was bringing up meditation and focus, because I, I, I couldn't think of the word then, but I can think I, as you were talking, I, I, it, it kind of came to me. It was, it's a symbiotic, re, symbiotic relationship. Meditation mm -hmm. uh, creates the opportunity to focus because you're clearing out all of the clutter. You're clearing out all the distraction and it allows you to really dial into the thing that you want to focus on. So I think that in order to have focus, you need to have some form of meditation to, and, and, and I think some people would just call that focus, but I think that meditation is, all right, let's remove all of the distractions that are around this challenge or around myself, around what I'm trying to contemplate. And then you slip into the focus part of it. And that's where your, your thoughts are all centered around those one things. I don't, I don't do a lot of meditation, but I would venture to say when you're meditating, you're not bouncing from idea to idea like the you know the whole squirrel. Like it, it's it's <laughs> literally you you go the first level and then you go three levels deeper and then you go four levels deeper and you're just laser focused on whatever you're thinking about to the extent of 
all right, I think I've explored every possible scenario. You, you said earlier, you had to play the idea all the way out in your head, right? Like if I stay in this job, here's what I think will happen 10 years from now. And that's where that meditation has allowed you to focus on that specific thing. And so that, I think that's why, I think that's why successful people and leaders use some of these different things. I hear about the app Headspace uh, as something that a lot of a lot of uh, leaders will use because it allows them to refocus on a lot of their different things, to de-stress, uh, to stay calm. So you don't do those knee-jerk reactions because you you have constantly uh, ranked your priorities in life, and you're you're making those small adjustments because you've taken the time to reflect on what's important to you. Yeah, I I've used Headspace before, and you know, for listeners, if you don't know what it is, you know, I think there's a free trial for like seven days or fourteen days, um, but they're guided meditations. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I mean, when I first started meditating, that's that's really what I what I used. Um, and as I started to discover what works for me, what doesn't work for me, and what's effective, um, I I don't use guided meditations anymore. Um, but like I said, you know, I'll find different forms of meditation, whether that's coffee. Another thing that I do in the morning is. Um, I write down my finances. And what I mean by that is I have seven different accounts, checking, business checking, investments, you know, credit card statements, et cetera. I handwrite every single balance um, in these seven accounts every day. And some people could say, oh, you can use an app for that. And I'm like, yes, I got that. (laughs) And I'm bringing, like, it's my form of meditation. What I mean by that is I stop and get present to what my finances actually are. I write down how much I have in my checking account. I write down how much I have in my business. I write down how much I have in student loans. I write down how much I have in investment accounts. And that allows me to get present because from, from a space of being settled and, and focused, the actions are very, very clear. And I think medita- meditation just allows uh, me to get present to what's really important kind of going back to the uh, beginning of our conversation, finding out what's really important and making sure that I'm um, fulfilling on that. This conversation has been awesome and we're, we're flowing along here, but I want to be respectful of your time and, and the, the audience's time. So uh, if you don't mind, share some resources or, or some other things kind of as we close this out of if people want to learn more about meditation or how they can implement it. I know we mentioned Headspace, but what are some other things that you would recommend people take a look at if they want to go a little bit further into the journey of meditation? Yeah, two things. Um, <clears throat> so the book that I read or that was, um, that was being used in uh, my class in China was a book called The Joy of Living, Unlocking the Secret and Science of Happiness. And it was written by a um, Tibetan monk, Yongei Mingyur Rinpoche. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. We can maybe put in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's the, the Joy of Living. And um, another program that I've taken is called the Landmark Forum. And it's a personal professional training and development program. And that has allowed me to really um, discover for myself um, and distinguish for myself who I really am versus the thoughts that I am. And for me, that's another form of meditation. Any opportunity, those are two that I particularly use Mm -hmm. um, or participate in. Um, But any opportunity for you, the listener, to distinguish um, your thoughts and your feelings from who you really are and what you're out to accomplish, um, you know, is a form of meditation. So I don't want you to get stuck on these two resources, but they're just resources. That's yeah. exactly what they are. <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that we didn't, or you didn't say that we had to go to to China and climb a mountain and, and go to a, 
<laughs> go, <laughs> go visit a monk because uh, I don't know that everybody can do that. But I, I think it's 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 important right. to kind of extrapolate from that. that there are some resources out there. You can start with something as basic as an app, but I think it's more. Mm -hmm. And especially like we're talking baby steps here for the audience in some cases. And it's just that first of all, deciding that it's important to reduce those distractions and start focusing more on who who you are. What do, what do you want? What are the things that are important in life? You, you say you do it like go get a cup of coffee and you just you just a, a, appreciate the things that are around you. And I think that a lot of times people don't take the moment to smell the roses and listen to the birds sing. And I think that that's just important. That's where fulfillment in life comes in. It, we, we don't exist just to work all the time. We work for a purpose. And I think finding out what that purpose is and finding out, you know, what's important to you, whether if it's family, spend time with your family uh, and find opportunities to spend time with your family. If it's traveling, you know, look for those opportunities to travel, do research on those things so that when you are traveling, you can be 100% in that moment, that's going to make your work that much more fulfilling, and that's going to make uh, your your reflection time that much more fulfilling. Nicholas, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. I always like to give my guests kind of a final word uh, to speak directly to the audience. You know who they are, and in some cases, you actually fall into the category of the audience. So uh, I want to give you the floor and, and give you just a, a couple of seconds to just speak directly to them. What, what's on your heart for for millennials that are that are trying to figure out their next step in life? Uh, maybe somebody that was in your shoes that was trying to dial into a career. What's your message to young business leaders? Um, what I would really say is, one, I acknowledge you for the courage it takes to really discover and um, discern for yourself what it is that's really important to you. Um, it takes something, especially in today's society with all the media, um, people you see on Instagram, it can be very, um, very easy to slip into the comparison conversation. Um, but you know yourself best and you get to discover who you really are. So the question I would leave you with is really, what are you fulfilling on? And once you're present to that, however it is that you get there is perfect. But once you do discover that for yourself, do everything that you can to, to have your actions be in alignment with what you're fulfilling on. Because at the end of the day, um, life is short and um, all you have is now. And I want to leave you with, you know, do what makes you happy now because you're not guaranteed, you know, moments in the future. You're not guaranteed moments in the future. Man, there's so much good stuff here uh, for the audience. I hope that this is something that you'll you'll reflect on, and 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 I would venture to say that I think po listening to podcasts could actually be one of those things that, as you reflect on life and as you're listening to people in the outside world, I, I think that's going to help you be more introspective. You, you're you're taking you're taking that journey together uh, to to learn more about other people's um, passions, and, and hopefully, in some capacity, that's going to lead you to be more passionate yourself. So with that, listeners, be connected, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. 
Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.